0: Okay. So, Dr. Beba, I think we are now ready to start.
1: Okay.
0: Um, you're very welcome to this webinar hosted by um, Cornell Alliance for Science. And today, we are excited to talk to quite a number of people who are watching us from all over the world. And um, I can see Christy Dixon is online and she's saying good morning from St. Louis. Good morning, Christy, and everyone else from um, from US. Good afternoon to people in Africa. And I don't know what time it is in Asia. You're very welcome to this to this webinar. And today we are hosting Dr. Abebe Menkir. Dr. Abebe has a PhD in in plant breeding from the University of Kansas, and he's been breeding maize for the last 24 years. He he works as the head of maize breeding in IITA that is the International Institute for Tropical Agriculture and he's based here in Ibadan, Nigeria where I'm also currently based. So he's going to be our host this um our guest sorry this afternoon and he's going to tell us everything about maize. How maize can contribute um to food and nutrition security especially during this time of COVID-19, when people are not working full-time, when salaries, jobs are being lost, how can we, how can we um, maintain the nutrition and food security of our homes? But he also mentioned that um, maize, especially the yellow corn, is very high in, in vitamin A. And he's going to tell us how we can how we can leverage that vitamin A in yellow corn to boost our immunity during this time when when our health is being threatened globally. So Dr. Bebe, you're very welcome. And let us start this discussion.
1: Okay, thank you, uh, Patricia, for uh, your kind introduction.
0: I think we are losing you, Dr. Bebe.
1: Hello,
0: do you hear me? No. And Hello? No, I can't hear you. And you're looking away. Dr. Bebe, please move, move your laptop this side so that we can look at you. Yes. Okay. That, yes. Oh. That okay. is the better, okay. Let's let's try and see how this goes. So, um, doctor, let's go to our first question. Okay. Um, tell us about um what you think the impact of COVID nineteen is going to have on food and nutrition security in Africa, from your perspective as as a breeder. You know, the African
1: countries are uh, truly endowed with uh, 25% of the global cultivated area, for, which is suitable you know, for crop production. That would be sufficient uh, to feed its own population. And yet, many countries in Africa are made food importers and spend more than sixty five million billion US dollars on food imports in addition to what they produce locally. Okay. The overdependence of uh, many African countries on uh, food imports is primarily driven by urbanization or increased demand from uh, the urban center, which is uh, exacerbated by weak infrastructure and also inefficient uh, production practices that leads to low agricultural output. I think this places many African countries at a significant risk of exposure to the export bans that a few major food exporters have imposed on the week on the wake of COVID-19 um, epidemic. In addition, the general food import syndrome that made many African countries to think that they would be receiving food for their population is increasingly undermined because of COVID by the difficulties in international and regional trade as many countries are continuing to close
0: their Many African countries are uh, have uh, already been
1: battling with food insecurity because of uh, outbreak of uh, 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 diseases such as desolate and necrosis, uh and currently uh, locust, as well as the climate change and the associated. Uh, frequent droughts and heat stress, which have negatively impacted you know, on uh, the lives and the livelihoods of millions of African followers of farmers. Uh, because of uh, this uh, situation at the moment, the more than 600 million people in Africa which are already exposed to food and uh, dietary uh, deprivations before the onset of uh, COVID-19 are, are the most vulnerable, you know. In fact, on food production and distribution in Africa, where farming accounts for, for about 60% of the total employment, and I percent They affected, you know, the food production in the continent. and It has uh, also brought an opportunity to the uh, governments of the various countries to think strategically and come up with um, uh, with approaches, you know, that will emphasize to protect their vulnerable population.
0: Thank you, Dr. Bebe, but um, your, your audio is not very clear. I would like to, to ask the participants to tell us whether they can hear you very well, or else I, I would recommend that we reschedule this webinar for another time, maybe tomorrow, because your audio is really not clear. Let me see what, what um, yeah. our participants. Think about this so that we are better, yeah. so that we get better audio and we can communicate otherwise.
1: Uh, maybe, I think maybe I would like to suggest, you know, since I'm uh, working in the house today, yes. maybe it is scheduled if you are not uh, hearing me and, and if I cannot interact with the participants very well it is uh, it's not it's not really very productive for all of us so maybe
0: oh no people it. um doctor people are saying that they can hear you huh? um i've gotten some okay. response yeah people are saying um the audio is clear maybe the problem is on is on my side
1: Unless there are questions coming, you know, from the audience.
0: Yes, but right now I had asked them about um, about the audio, and they're saying they, they can hear, but there is a buzz. So, Dr. Bebe, you have told us that that Africa is definitely bound to be affected by this crisis because most African nations are net importers of maize. Sorry, net importers of food. So with all these net, with this lockdown and transportation and transportation having of course, when countries lock down, transportation is also affected. so there is definitely going to be um, there is going to be a crisis because of the movement. But before we continue, I would like to ask you, why is Africa generally? An importer of food, why can, can't we grow at least 90% of the food that our people consume? You
1: know, the productivity level of our major crops, the crops, has stagnated over the years. So the amount of food that we are producing domestically cannot match the growth of our population and the demand that we have, particularly in the urban center. There is also, when you look at the, the demographic change that is happening in Africa, the farm, most of the uh, young generation of people living in the rural areas are migrating into the urban centers. So the people you know, in the rural areas in the farms are the older generation of people. and The productivity level due to the lack of improved uh, management practices, lack of inputs, lack of access to credit, and all this have negatively affected the amount of food that is produced in Africa. So with the explosion of the demand in in, in, in the various countries, imports became really the necessity.
0: okay yes so but um so so how do you how do you recommend that we fix that problem how do you recommend that africa fixes the problem of being an eating importer of food
1: more resources to increase productivity and build resilience and self-sufficiency in food production and distribution that work for smallholder farming communities to mitigate food shortages arising from COVID-19 and also potentially for future pandemics. That can be achieved by supporting the resilience of smallholder farmers uh, so that at least the uh, future potential shocks and impacts are minimized. Okay. An important aspect of building the resilience for these communities is to ensure that. The staple food crops that have more farmers are produced, become productive and nutritious so that farming families derive both the health benefits and also the livelihood benefits from the crops they grow. Resilient farming communities can have food and nutrition security through Just to relax access to markets at the same time. It's not only production, they need to have access to markets.
0: Okay.
1: The people who are working off far.
0: Hello? Hello? Um, Dr. Bebe, my network is really disturbing us. I initially, I had thought it was you, but my network. Let me find better network. Okay. Hi, everyone. Thank you for, thank you for your patience. I now have better connection. Okay. Dr. Bebe. Yes. Let us, let us continue with our discussion.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah, I think I've... Describe about some uh, uh, potential approaches that can be taken, you know, to uh, uh, build the resilience of uh, smallholder farmers uh, in Africa in terms of uh, uh, crop production and, and and also improving their uh, potential livelihood and nutritional security. Okay. So my- Continue with the next question.
0: Um, why do you think maize is a potential crop that can boost resilience in in food production in Africa?
1: Yeah, I, I uh, would like to to say that this uh, tree is always. A guide to action. So I want to bring some historical um, information related to the introduction of maize and how maize has become really an important an important crop in Sub-Saharan Africa and why it could contribute you know, to overcoming you know the uh, the problem that we are confronting. So I would like to start with the, uh, uh, the history of uh, maize introduction into into Africa. Maize arrived in Africa through, apparently through different routes, uh, during the Colombian, what they call it, or Colombian era or events, around 500 years ago. And it, at that time, it was serving as a, uh, a vegetable crop from the garden, which was consumed at milk, a milk stage, boiled, or roasted. And as a fast maturing crop, it became, in fact, a low requiring a level requiring Source for rural communities when the food reserves were depleted before sorghum, millet, and other indigenous crops were harvested. Uh, in fact, a, a tidal wave of maize swept the diverse production environments across Africa in the last 500 years displacing the indigenous African food crops such as sorghum, millet, and rice. This happened because the had the capacity to feed into the prevalent uh, diverse farming systems and it had a broad adaptation to diverse environmental conditions and it was easy to process, and required less labor to produce. And at the same time, it was also resistant to pre-harvest bird damage that plagued sorghum, niles, and rice. And these conditions were instrumental into the spread of maize in Africa. Okay, maize offers a high return on investment in land, labor, and cash compared to all other competing crops that made it really attractive to African farmers. I would like to cite an example, I mean, a, a, an African. Uh, example, the view that was expressed, you know, by one of the writers uh, from the Yoruba tribe about the productivity of maize, which I got, you know, from uh, Maize and grapes. And he said, all naked, maize went to the farm and she came back with 200 dresses, 200 dresses. All alone, maize went to the farm and she came back with 200 children, 200 children. This really beautifully explains how maize was viewed by the indigenous people and its production. Potential. The Africanization of maize took place across the continent in fields where farmers were selecting for high yield, appropriate time of maturity, preferred color, texture, and taste, as well as adaptation to the prevalent diseases and the climate. The diversity of introduction of maize allows farmers to choose the taste, appearance, and the growth characteristics they wanted. As a result, African farmers incorporated maize into their diets, cultures, and traditions, and as, as an important source of their livelihoods. It is genetic diversity. In fact, means genetic diversity is the driver of all this, and it has transformed itself from a backyard vegetable crop to a dominant staple food crop because of the enormous genetic diversity. It has an, uh, allowed the farmers to select what is good for their production condition and for their uh, environment the crop has, has been has achieved a prominent status in the african food supply and established itself as an, an intrinsic part of the national diet despite the presence of diversity in terms of taste uh, traditions aesthetic choices and the agroclimatic zones because farmers could really select what fits for them. At present, maize occupies more than 40% of the total cereal production in Sub-Saharan Africa, with more than 200 million people depending on it as a source of food security and economic well-being. Maize and its products represent 38% of the food supply in Africa and provide half of the calories and proteins in Eastern Africa and one-fifth of the calories and proteins in West Africa. Also maize provides 50% of the total zinc and iron, which are essential elements for immune system and for survival of the people and is is also a good source of very many essential nutrients that are beneficial to human health and help prevent potential diseases that, that occur in the continent. Mm-hmm. So, these are just the historical background of why maize can contribute you know, to alleviating <laughs> uh, the, the problems that we are seeing the, in the continent.
0: Thank you very much Dr. Bebe, you have made, you have made a, very strong, a very strong case for maize and clearly we can see that it's a leader when it comes to, to food and nutrition security in Africa. Just to recap a little bit of what you said for our, for our viewers, um, you've told us that maize arrived in Africa close to 500 years ago. And the farm has adopted it because it's a low labor crop. It's, labor, it's not labor intensive. Um, it has less post-harvest damage when it in comparison to other cereals. It's easy to process given that people eat it roasted which doesn't require processing but also they process it into flour which is easy and it gives a high return on, on investment. The poem that you, that you read for us is quite interesting. You go, you go um, with one dress and you come back with 200. That's, that's a really high return on investment. So if there are farmers listening to us, I think crop, um, maize is a crop that we could consider um, planting if we haven't been planting it. But there are certain things that have caught my attention other than you saying that maize accounts for 40% of all cereal production on the continent. It accounts for 38% of food supply in Africa. That means on a daily basis in 10 households, almost four households eat maize or a maize-derived meal per day. And it also accounts for 50% of the total zinc and iron intake on a daily basis. When people talk about zinc, iron, these micronutrients, maize rarely shows up when the nutritionists are encouraging us to diversify our meals. They talk about beef, um, they talk about beans. Maize maize never shows up on the list of of nutritious foods. If you could help us and expound more, on the micronutrient capabilities, if I may call it that, of maize?
1: Uh, that's really a very good question. Uh, maize, you know, as a crop, it has a tremendous versatility and a tremendous diversity which we human beings can have, including nutritional quality. When you look at, you know, the common maize that is being consumed, they really both have a high level of um, iron and zinc that are required you know to meet the daily human requirement in Africa. <laughs> but still you know as a major staple of what it is consumed, it, it has you know intrinsic intrinsically it has iron and zinc. It also, especially the orange maize has uh, uh, pro-vitamin carotenoids, which are converted into retinol and become vitamin A uh, suppliers. But the quantity, you know, is is low. That's why, you know, we have uh, breeding programs that are trying to boost the concentration of. Um, both pro A, carotenoids and also iron and zinc, so that you know farmers will have access you know, to a nutritious maize products, which can meet their daily requirements. And in fact, maize is one of the the, the crops which really allows you to, uh, you know, use the diverse genetic resources you know to create new that can address uh, issues of uh, uh, nutrition, such as uh, micronutrient nutrition, uh, iron, zinc, and provitamin A.
0: Okay. So, when it comes to, 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 to micronutrients, yellow maize and, and and white maize. White maize is commonly consumed in in west sorry in eastern South Africa, consumed by people. And when it comes to West Africa, white maize is really for livestock and and the communities here tend to consume more of yellow maize. Which of the two would you say has a higher concentration of micronutrients? Yellow versus white. Yeah, the, the white and the yellow
1: maize when it comes to iron, iron and zinc and other, uh, uh, minerals, calcium, mm-hmm. and so on, which are really required, and also a lot of uh, phytochemicals that are required uh, for human survival. I would say you know they are they are comparable. Oh, but the big difference, the biggest difference between yellow and white is the provitamin A concentration, the provitamin A carotenoids that you have in uh, in yellow orange maize which you don't have you know in white maize okay Uh, and the yellow maize you know in some uh, countries in in, in West Africa they also consume you know white maize they consume both white and and, and yellow maize but see as Uh, You know the the people in Eastern and Southern Africa when it comes to uh, consumption, because most of the people, the consumers in Eastern and Southern Africa, uh, would like to have you know white maize, whereas you know in West Africa you can have you know orange maize, yellow maize, and also you can have white maize. It's a mixture. So West Africa seems to have a more diversified diet compared
0: to Eastern and Southern Africa. Okay, so do you think um, we should be looking at biofortifying maize in East Africa or IIT and partners can work towards efforts so of introducing yellow maize and encouraging um, consumption behavioural changes so, so, so that instead of breeding pro-vitamin A into existing varieties, we just encourage people to eat to eat more yellow maize. Which uh, would which do you think would be more cost effective and and adopted anyway?
1: Yeah, you uh, you know now uh, the, community in Eastern and Southern Africa and uh, you know I in West and uh, Central Africa we have been working on uh, increasing the. Uh, pro-vitamin concentration in the maize mm-hmm. and at the same time we are also trying to make the maize varieties and hybrids as productive as other uh, white varieties although there had been a lot of investment in uh, the development of uh, uh, white maize varieties you know in Africa but uh, you know the there is a tremendous prospect in terms, uh, Now we have, uh, I can say, varieties that are really competitive with white maize uh, in terms of uh, production potential. And at the same time, you know, some of the uh, tastes are changing. Uh, in Zambia, used to uh, be a country with a predominant preference for white maize, mm-hmm. and due to you know constant uh, awareness creation and the development of a relevant vitamin rich maize hybrids. Now, the the orange yellow maize demand is is increasing. Okay. In in eastern and and, and in other countries, it is also the introduction of these nutritious uh, varieties is. Is really changing the dynamic that is occurring over there. What I want to say, you know, you in fact, you know, you just um, uh, brought a very relevant question. Farmers in Africa at the time of introduction. When you look at the predominant colors at that time, they were they were not white. They were. You know, red. They were purple. They were uh, yellow. All kinds of colors were were consumed. You know, by the uh, by by our forefathers. You know, in Africa, they were accepted. They were the ones you know, who were integrated into the diets of the people and into the diets of the uh, the farming communities. And there was a historical reason why. Africa changed from yellow to white uh, maize, you know, uh, with the introduction of the most productive materials from the U.S., the Hikori King and others, you know, in uh, southern part of Africa. uh, The white maize became really uh, a very productive maize for supplying you know adequate quantity of food for people who were working in the mines mm-hmm. and at the same time there was also a market in Europe for white maize that really drove this conversion of having you know this diversity of uh, maize types to uh, uh, white maize so africa has never been hooked to white maize throughout its history this is really a very recent development, I can say, and I'm very, very confident we'll go back to our, you know, uh, great grandfathers and also to our uh, really rich history and uh, uh, bring back, you know, those uh, uh, different colors into our uh, uh, food tables.
0: Okay, that's um, that's quite interesting, but in what you have told us is, is the solution to, to adopting agricultural products, new, new crop varieties? Because you said farmers moved from yellow purple to white maize because it had a high productivity and it had a market. So that means if we want people to consume more yellow maize because of the vitamin A content, pro vitamin A, as breeders, IITA and CMIT. You should be working towards putting out varieties that are that are of high productivity, and of course productivity I think will drive the demand and give farmers the the market that they desire. But, um, Dr. Beba, I would like us to move on to on to our next point of discussion, which is um, how do you see maize contributing towards the towards I wouldn't say alleviation, but boosting people's health during this time of COVID 19. Let us specifically talk about um, the the yellow corn, which you have, the yellow maize, which you have set higher levels of vitamin A. And as our listeners and viewers may know, um, pro-vitamin A is what the body changes into vitamin A, and vitamin A is essential. In in helping our bodies to fight off opportunistic illnesses, such as COVID-19. I know that we are calling COVID-19 a global pandemic, but when it comes to a healthy body, it's 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 just reduced to an opportunistic illness. And if the body is healthy with enough vitamin A, we can see quite a number of people um putting up a fight against this against this disease. So tell us how how maize can contribute in this this conversation of health. And also, I remember you mentioned that if you eat maybe a a cob of yellow maize, then it is better than taking vitamin A supplements. Please remind us us of, of, of that example and the quantities that we should be taking.
1: Yeah, I would be... Talking, you know, at a larger level, you know, what NAIS is uh, capable of doing, you know, to the continent and uh, what are the steps that are currently being taken, you know, to address the issue of food insecurity in, in, in the continent. Before going into that, let me address the last question that you raised, They uh, uh pro vitamin a enriched maize versus you know uh, supplements or fortified foods with vitamin A. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the uh, the Provitamin A is good not only for uh, the poor people but it's also good you know for, for people who are replaced with vitamin A. When you take a supplement or a fortified food which has high level of vitamin A, if it is excess, it goes and then uh, is stored in your liver, and that can really, through if it is accumulated over time, it can create some toxicity to the body of the human. Okay. On the other hand, you may be replete, but if you eat uh, yellow, I mean orange corn with uh, high provitamin A content, your body converts only what it needs and the rest is excreted from your system. That is, you know, the potential advantage of using natural food, you know, that, that protects us against, you know, potential hazards associated is taking excess. Okay. Now coming back to the potential contribution of maize to at least mitigation of COVID nineteen pandemic. I personally firmly believe that COVID nineteen pandemic is a watershed event in defining the historical direction of food production and supply in Africa to respond not only to this immediate threat, but also future pandemics. Many countries in Africa have considered accelerated domestic food production as an engine for attaining food, and nutritional self-sufficiency. As maize has been part of the culture and diet of Africans, as well as has high-end potential, broad adaptation to diverse production zones, of harvesting, processing, and transport. It has a great prospect to significantly contribute to self sufficiency in many African
0: countries.
1: Okay. So, um... as an example, I want to bring an example. The government of Ethiopia has chosen maize as one of its strategic crops to boost local food production and supply under COVID. In fact, the government has put an aggressive policy to promote use of improved seeds, improved maize varieties, irrigation fertilizer and other inputs as well as you know improved crop management practices to attain high level of productivity uh, to, in order to reduce dependence on imported food and at the same time also at least saving, you know, some of the, the resources they have, some of the, the money they have uh, allocated, you know, for food imports, you know, which can be used, you know, for other development goals. So the African farmers need to uh, a resilient production system that guarantees, you know, their food and nutritional security in the present pandemic. And also, uh, in the future, so that we have to build, you know, the resilience of the farming system. To build the farm, the resilience of the farming systems, farmers should have access to good quality seeds of high-yielding, climate, pest, and disease resilient maize varieties. And as well as you know, nutritious maize varieties of staple food crops, including maize that are grown by small older farmers. These types of maize varieties are available from international centers and they can contribute really significantly you know, to food and nutritional security. In order to strengthen the resilience of the rural communities. There are a lot of efforts that are going on now, including in the African Union, to improve access and availability of uh, quality seeds of climate resilient and nutritious maize varieties through the private sector and other seed producers to reach millions of farmers with both limited and good market access uh with COVID-19 the need for a strong immune system has become really a critical factor <laughs> to improve resilience of the body to you know, respond to uh, complications and infections uh, and complications associated with COVID infection so by five can contribute uh, to this uh, you know, uh, uh, mitigation of uh, the, the compromised uh, immune system. And this pandemic has brought a focus on the need for nutrition security through production and consumption of nutritious food through diverse pre- and post-harvest technologies that increase agricultural productivity for food and nutrition security And improve the human immune system. When we, when maize established itself as a dominant crop in the early days, some of the indigenous people had really a serious concern, and I would like to quote one of the the concerns that was expressed by the indigenous people of uh, Dahomey. indicating that their king's reserved millet, which is an indigenous crop for royal consumption, in an effort to uh, save this traditional crop from the rapid incursion of maize. These were the concerns that were expressed you know, by our forefathers. And I personally believe that the availability of enough grain from highly productive maize as a cheaper source of food can impact free land for cultivating other diverse nutritious crops that will help, in fact, diversify the diets of the population, which is ultimately the preferred choice. Considering the extent of our um, African forefathers' experience in growing and consuming maize with uh, a variable rainbow of color and types, I hope African consumers will overcome the white grain syndrome and embrace other colors for their common good and survival. I just would like to finish my my discussion
0: with this. Okay. Um, Thank you very much, Dr. Bebe. This has been quite an eye-opening discussion. And for me, as a non-scientist, just a maize maize consumer, by the way, I love maize a lot, especially the white one, because I come from an area where we, we eat white maize. But I'm now going to look for, for, the, yellow, for the yellow maize and, and grow it and consume it more. We, we, we look at maize and its products, flour or posho or ugali, like people in East Africa may call it, like a source of carbohydrates, and that is all. All these other micronutrients or minerals, we, we are unaware that maize provides this. And this is an awareness that this is a conversation that we should um, increase its awareness. I, I would very much like to see governments take on um, school feeding campaigns, where schools, especially primary schools that have young children, where they are encouraged to eat more, more yellow maize, yellow kosho, I don't know how that would taste and but that is a campaign that I would like to see IITA, CIMIT because CIMIT is the CGR center responsible for East Africa and, and South Africa. I'd like to see our partners NARO and KAURO in Kenya take on this conversation and really escalate it to policy levels. So as this conversation comes to an end our participants both on Zoom and, and Facebook. We want to thank you very much. We are going, to, we are going to, to put up a recording. We are going to put up a recording of this on YouTube so you can share it with other people. But we want to give you an assignment. I hope you have you, you, you have been blown away by the new information of pro-vitamin A and zinc and iron in maize. So we want this... We want Africa to go back to consuming more yellow maize. Like Dr. Bebe said, it's not that white maize doesn't have provitamin A, it does, but the levels are really low, and especially for our primary schools. I hope you will join me in taking, escalating this conversation to policy level. For me, I will task Dr. Bebe, who's just my neighbor here, I will task IITA and CIMITs. To really escalate this conversation and we see young people feeding on, on, on yellow maize. But for the rest of you, I don't know how you're going to take on this challenge, but I throw it back at you. And Zebir Zebir is saying it's really inspiring, and I am happy choosing maize as my research copier. So Zebir is also a breeder like um like um Dr. Bebe. And to the rest of us, thank you very much. Have a good evening. I want to rush out of this place and go and buy some roasted yellow maize. Thankfully, I'm in a country where people eat a lot of yellow maize before the market men and women leave the streets. But um, Dr. Bebe, your last last remarks. I also have one last question. Does white maize have zero pro-vitamin A? or it has some levels?
1: No, so it has zero vitamin and
0: It has zero? Zero. Okay, so um, your last remarks. You have been our guest, you should have the last say.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, would like to thank everyone, you know, for um, uh, putting their time Spending their time, you know, participating in this uh, wonderful conversation. For some of us who have have been in this business with uh, with me, who would like to champion its potential impact in sub Saharan Africa, I think I'm uh, really very happy. I would like to thank all the participants, you know, uh, uh, for. uh, taking the time and, uh, you know, at least having uh, the, the interest. And I would like to also add my voice to Patricia that uh, I hope you will take this message to colleagues and people who really doubt that um, uh, yellow, you know, I mean, orange maize doesn't have really any. Any place you know in uh, the, the white uh, uh, in areas where white maize is a dominant uh, crop. So I hope that diversity is the name of the game. Now you know dietary diversity requires you know not only one crop. I'm not preaching the gospel of maize alone. Yes. But also the highest level of food, you know, at this juncture, there is food shortages. We need to focus on crops, you know, that are highly productive. And at the same time, we shouldn't also forget the indigenous nutritious crops, which have been really the the backbone of the uh, population of Africa. So we still have to also work on those disadvantaged diverse crops that can contribute significantly to our nutritional diversity and that will make our food more interesting. So, my last message is: uh, you know, I I thank I thank all of you very much for uh, uh, having me uh, to speak and to discuss these various issues, and I I hope we'll. Uh, uh, continue to interact. If you have issues and questions and, and so on, please drop me uh, an email and I should be able to uh, respond to your uh, uh, questions. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Bebe. Thank you very much to our participants. Have a good evening and buy some yellow maize as you go home this evening. Thank you very much.